0: We're going to go ahead and come back into the Word of God as we continue to work our way through 1 Corinthians. It can be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting verse 16. As we look here, we've already dealt with the aspect of the work, of what it means to stand before God, give an account of your life. The Bible is very clear that we don't want to waste our life. We know the Bible says that we're supposed to redeem the time because we are definitely in the evil day and it doesn't seem to be getting much better. But as Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, I think it's vitally important for us as children of God to know that one day we must give an account of our lives. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when I look at the scripture here, and I realize how important it is for us to understand who we are positionally in Jesus Christ. When you go through the book of Ephesians, he tells us that we are in Christ, in Christ, in the Lord. And that's vitally important to understand your position in him, knowing that our righteousness is not our own. It is the righteousness of Christ. It's an imputed righteousness. And the Bible talks about double imputation. That Christ took our sin, bore it at Calvary, paid for it once and for all. And when he did that, he paid for all of our sin. For the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so when we come into our text here today, the Bible makes clear again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? And so when we look at the scripture here, what are we speaking of? Well, it's very clear that we're talking about a true child of God. I mean, the Bible says that when we first believed that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the word sealed, we talk about a finished transaction in that of God. God is the one that has given us eternal life, and that eternal life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at the verses there in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, it says Jesus Christ is eternal life. I mean, the purpose of our life is to honor and glorify him. The purpose of our life is that we are disciples of Christ. We are called to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even Peter understood that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So when I look at the scripture here, and the Bible opens up, know ye not that ye are the temple of God. It's vitally important as a Christian to know who we are positionally, in Jesus Christ knowing that God has granted us repentance God has given us faith and because God has started a good work we know according to the word of God that he will complete the good work that he has started and so you and I say we give all the glory unto the Lord it was never about us it was always about him beginning to end the land's book of life was written before the foundation of the world that is what the Bible says all the names that will ever be saved were written before anything was created. And so when Paul is speaking here to this church, he is speaking to us here today in 2023. He is identifying who we are in Christ, the power of Christ that's working in our life, through our life, by the working of the Holy Spirit, who is our one that is sanctifying us to make us more like Christ. So when the Bible opens up here again, know ye not that ye are the temple of of God, I mean, we have a very severe warning that's going to be laid out here very clearly that anyone that's trying to destroy the church, those that are in Christ, those that are teaching false doctrines and many things that are being taught today that are not biblical, that they will be judged. They will have their damnation, sure, because the Bible makes it very clear that no one wants to interfere with the church. And you and I, if we are part of Christ, we are the church. We are the called out assembly. We are the ecclesia, and we understand what the Bible says. So to being called out by God, placed in the body of Christ by God... For one purpose, for us to honor and glorify him, these verses would be vitally important for us to comprehend. So when he opens up here, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you, he ends that with a question mark. The purpose of it is, and so if you and I are truly been born again, we have been sealed or baptized by the Holy Spirit. That means that we are Christ. We know that we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and the eternal counsels that before the world began knew that we would truly be his because he began the good work and brought us into the body of Christ. We talk about adoption that you find in the book of Ephesians being adopted into the family of God by the power of God through the working of the gospel. So when you and I are living a Christian life, we are living a gospel centered life. The purpose of our life is the glory by Christ. everything we do. We know our dependency is not upon man, it is upon Christ. Our dependency is completely upon him, even though many times we are very self-reliant. We are not God-reliant. Many times we try to do things in our flesh before we do them in the Spirit, and the Bible makes it very clear that all that we do in the flesh will be burned up as wood, hay, and stubble, as we have already seen going through here, speaking of the reward. But even though we may have some of those areas of our Life burned up and consumed at that judgment seat. We also know there's gold and silver and precious stones that are going to go through that refining fire and bring come out as rewards unto us. And you and I, when we talk about the crowns, as we talked a little bit last week, we have five crowns that are going to be given out, and God's going to do that. And you and I, when we look in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we take those crowns off our head, throw them at the feet of Christ, because apart from him, we could never obtain them anyways. It was him beginning to end. So when we look here, Paul is identifying that our glory and praise is not to ourself. It must be to Christ. The purpose of our life is for us to honor him in everything we do, think or say, that we are doers of the word of God. We are not just hearers only, like many people do today, deceiving their own selves. So if you and I call ourselves a Christian, then we are what we call disciples of Christ. A disciple is a learner of Christ. We are being conformed and molded to his image to be like Jesus. So when you open up, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And when we talk about that, we're talking about the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, the first day that you believe. We find that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, in whom ye first trusted, ye believe. That means that the Holy Spirit sealed you, a finished transaction that day for all eternity, for we are forever Christ. And so you and I, when we live our life, we want to stamp eternity on our eyeballs and realize that I'm living each and every day for my eternal life, like we went through in Sunday school today, because that's vitally important to realize that we want to honor God with our life. You know, God, when we talk about surrender, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to surrender my time or my life to Christ. Rest assured, this is a work of the Holy Spirit where Christ becomes more precious to you than anything in your life. And that is what we're supposed to look at Christ as the most precious we have ever found, knowing that God is the one that has revealed his son to us. Remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, in a time appointed by God, he revealed his son unto me. Like you and I, when we were born again, he revealed his son <coughs> unto us. And so when you look here, you see the dangers of false teachers. You have many people today that claim others to be false teachers, but I want to identify them in a more complex term so when the bible says here again <clears throat> in verse 17 he says, if any man defile the temple of God, now we look at our word defile the temple, we're talking about false teachers, people that are teaching things or preaching things that are not biblical. That's why it's vitally important for you to know the word of God, know why you believe what you believe, by absolute and total conviction, so when a false teacher shows up on the scene, and you all know there's many false teachers around here, we know that to be true, we got them even close to us around here, that are teaching things that are not biblical, that are unorthodox, that have never been biblical and yet they claim that they are and so they take scripture and they twist The So you and I need to be sound in doctrine. Remember, a lot of people say today that doctrine divides. The Bible makes it very clear that doctrines are the teachings of the Word of God. And you and I need to be sound in doctrine, because that is exactly what Paul told Timothy. So if we're going to be sound in doctrine, you need to read the Word of God. You need the Holy Spirit to be your teacher, the anointing from above, to come down with the unction and the power of God in your life, that when you talk about the Word of God, you're not just playing games. You're not telling stories. You're not talking about fables. You are talking about the pure and unadulterated word of God. Amen. So when I look at the scripture, I know these are the words that God has given me to read, to understand, to comprehend, and to live a life holy and separated under the gospel of Christ. And I think we all pretty much understand that. So when he says here, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. I mean, that's why when we talk about doctrine, we want to be absolutely sound in our doctrine. We want to know why we believe it. Not because my dad believes it, my mom believes it, my pastor says it must be true. It's because the word of God, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with us that we truly are the children of God. And the Holy Spirit teaches us through the written Word of God. So when I read the Bible, I know that it's inerrant and fallible. I know it's god breathed. That's the whole complete conviction and I'm willing to die in that hill. And I would believe that everyone that calls themselves a Christian may be willing to die on that hill. So when you and I look at the Word of God, we want to understand it. We, want to, we don't want no folly in our minds. We don't want fallacy. We want the Word of God to speak to us in the depths of our hearts. So when he says here, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. That's a grave warning to you and I to understand that if we're going to teach others the Word of God, make sure... It is the Word of God. Amen. We've got to be like the Bereans. In other words, just because so-and-so says this doesn't make it true. What makes it true is the Word of God is the one that is a testimony to the truth he speaks or she speaks. Right? You have different ladies' ministries and things like that. I understand that. But I do know that when you're talking about the Word of God, you better make sure you know what you are saying. It's kind of like you being a, a disciple. or somebody comes to you and they ask you a question about the Word of God, you better make sure that whatever you tell them is the absolute truth of the Word of God, and you know it by conviction and by study, because you have purposely study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means cutting scripture to make it say what it's supposed to say. So when we look here, Paul is giving warnings here to this church. There have many people that have infiltrated this church, have brought confusion into this church. The Bible makes it clear that God is not the author of confusion. And so when I look at the scripture and I realize that he's not the author of confusion, I do understand and realize that we don't want to be the those either. We don't want to bring confusion into minds. We want God to speak for himself. You know, when I think about the Word of God, I know one thing. I know that we speak and teach the Word of God and then we go to bed and sleep because God will take his Word and he'll use it whatever way he truly decides to use it. Amen? Kind of like you and I when we're praying for lost people. What is the purpose of that? Well, Paul made it very clear in Romans ten one. What did he make clear? He made very clear that he prayed for all Israel, that they'd be saved, knowing that all Israel would not be saved. But he also prayed for them because he had a burden in their heart for their souls to come to Christ and to truly understand who he was. And so you and I should also have a burden in our heart for others to understand who Christ is, and to pray for their souls that God would save them, because God is the one that must do the saving. Amen? I mean, we can be witnesses and disciple-makers, and we can go and teach and preach the Word of God in whatever venue we may have, share God's Word with others by testimony, or whatever it may be, and we know that we do all we can for the glory of God, and the saving part is Christ, right? I mean the Bible says in Romans or in uh, Matthew chapter eleven verse twenty seven that the Son of God Jesus Christ himself does whatsoever he pleases, and he brings whosoever he will, and that is the power of the gospel right it 's the power of God and the salvation to everyone. That believes. So when we talk about false teachers, we have to be very careful. We have to be very discerning. You talk about the lost gifts in the church today. It's called discernment. People are not very discerning when it comes to the word of God. Because I don't believe many Christians truly read the word of God the way they should. I believe that you and I should be reading more scripture than we've ever read in our life, and I think it's vitally important. And I say it over and over and over again. Some people say, "Well, it's really hard to read the Bible in a year." Well, I. I understand there's a lot of times where reading the Bible isn't easy, but I do understand you can read the Bible in a lot less time than a year if it's something that's really important to you personally. Because whatever we personally want to obtain, you can rest assured we will make time to do those things that really matter most to us. And all of us can say Amen to that. So when we look again, he says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So when we talk about these false teachers, God has given them a warning. Paul is giving them a warning. But remember what Paul's warning is, is from God. Paul is speaking what God has written. I mean, you and I have a Bible in our hands. We know Paul, they say, has written this. But we also know the Holy Spirit has given us the revelation. Amen. So when we talk about the illumination, we understand that this is the word of God, every word that is spoken out of this. Remember, all these words are spoken for our edification. We are being edified and built up in the most holy faith. You're yeah. living in the darkest times that this world has ever known. We are just about ready to see the sky split. Christ trumps sound, and we forever be with him. And they call that the rapture. But today, we are in this world to be a witness to be a lighthouse unto a very dark and wicked world. And so the Bible says again, as Paul says, we'll back up and come back through again, verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And if any man defile the temple of God... Uh, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And so when you come into verse 18, what does he say? Well, he makes it very clear. He says, but no man deceive himself. Now when we talk about that deceiving himself, those who defile the church... As you look about in false teaching and false things that are being taught today, we want to know what the Word of God says. That's vitally important. And they think they can succeed in destroying the foundation of the church through their human wisdom. I want you to know the church will always stand. No man will destroy the church. It is Christ's church. Amen. I mean, so if you and I are truly born again, we are part of Christ's Church, and it doesn't matter about denominational barriers, as some would say, it matters what does the Bible say, what does God's Word say, and so that would be yea and nay, amen. So again, when he looks here, he's talking about this wisdom, because he identifies the person, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in the world, look at the wording here, let him become a fool that he may be wise, And so when you look here, many times they're trying to destroy the church and trying to bring reproach upon the church and saying there's no such thing as the church of Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as a truly born-again believer as some of those born-again Christians talk about. But what does the Word of God say? You and I, if you are truly a child of God, have been given a new heart by God. That means that we have been new creatures, we're new creations in Christ. The Word of God burns in our heart like a fire. We're willing to stand to the truth of the Word of God, even if it means our life. Why would we do that? Because the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with us that we are the children of God. You know, a lot of times people say, can't you tell me if I'm a Christian or not? You're not you have no authority to tell anyone that they're a Christian. You need to worry about yourself. Amen? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 16 that the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with us that we are the child of God. And so if the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are God's, then we know that to be absolute. And we know that we cannot accept the foolishness and the folly in the world today, that we have to be true to the word of God. And so when I look at the scripture here and I Isaiah, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. And so if you remember the verses back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says very clearly, He says, For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish, for unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Remember we established that in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And so when Paul says here the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness unto us which are saved by the power of God. And that's exactly how we are saved because remember what he said in verse 19 of the first chapter for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudence. So the Bible says to become a fool for Christ's sake. Amen. So when you and I are out in everyday life and we are talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ, we do that as a testimony that Jesus Christ can change your life forever. Amen. Kind of like talking to uh, people when you're witnessing to them. So, you know, one day I was just like you and then God stepped into my life and changed my heart forever he's given me a new heart we're called a new covenant believers is what the book of hebrews talks about that we've been given a new heart we're not who we once were we have a changed life and a changed direction in every aspect of our life in our life we want to glorify and honor christ with everything i do so when i talk to people they say you know if you go talk to that person all he talks about or she talks about is jesus christ i mean everything that they talk about always goes back to jesus christ and you know virgin said that when he preached that every sermon he made a beeline for the cross that's exactly what a christian does because if it wasn't for the cross at calvary none of us would be saved we'd all be damned and justly so amen i mean that's what your bible says so when you look again it says let no man deceive you if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world let him become a fool that he may be wise You have a lot of people that think they have a lot of wisdom in their mind. If you've ever debated with somebody that's a philosopher or some kind of vain deceit that they like to act as if they're very wise and very smart, we know that our presupposition is the word of God. We know that when I look at the scripture, this is God's word given to me. So if I'm going to be an apologetic, I'm going to do it by the defense of the word of God. So people say, well, what is your sources for what you believe? My sources is the word of God. I don't need any other sources okay a lot of times people say well I quote here I quote there I quote the word of God it's my final authority I mean this is absolute truth so when I read the scripture I'm thinking men say there is no such thing as absolute truth but when I read the word of God I know there's absolute truth right so when I'm looking here and reading through the scripture this is the word of God that's been given to me that I may know God and that when I speak or teach or whatever it may be I'm not just doing it I'm hoping this is what it's about. I'm doing it because I know this is the word of God. And so that would be my defense. That would be my apologetic. And so when I look at the scripture here, God makes it very clear. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Remember what he said back in our first chapter there, in verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I mean, men like to say there is no such thing as God. Have you ever run into an atheist? I've run into many that call themselves atheists, but what does the Bible say? There's no such thing as an atheist. Only a fool says in their heart there is no God. And truly, if you take them all the way through, they have to use a biblical worldview in order to define their atheism, and we know that atheists do not exist. The Bible makes it very clear. When they die, They know they're going to meet something. They're going to meet God, this God, Jehovah, Yahweh, whatever word we want to use. This is the name of God. And so again, what does he say? Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. So in verse 19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Now, a lot of times, if you are going into secular college, the first thing they want to establish is your belief system because that's the first thing they want to destroy in secular colleges. And we understand that, and we have gone through that ourselves. But the reality of it is, is what does the Word of God say? It's like kids today. They think, well, my mom believes this, or my dad believes that doesn't make a bit of difference what your parents believe. It matters what you believe. It matters what the Holy Spirit has taught you in the scripture. And you know it by conviction. So when you're reading God's word, you want to know things by conviction. You don't want to say, well, he said that must be this, and so I believe it. You don't want to do that. You want to be a Berean. You want to study to make sure what he has said is the word of God, right? You don't trust a man. You don't put your confidence in a teacher. You put it in God himself. The Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us all things. I mean, that is the unction that is given to every Christian by the power and working of the Holy Spirit that God's word becomes absolute truth to me. I can follow it with all my heart and know that if this is the day I die, I'm ready to meet God in Christ because Christ saved my wretched soul. And because of that, he's given me a new heart, and I'm a new creature and a new creation. So if you have that opportunity to speak to others, tell them about your born-again experience, your regeneration, as the Scripture says. Tell them how God has given you a new heart and forgiven you of all your sin, even the sin you have yet to commit in Christ through the precious blood of Christ. All your sins have been forgiven. You talk about the great doctrine of justification. And remember when we talked about justification, it means God declared me righteous in Christ, right? That is what justification is. He, God, declared me righteous in Christ. And so that's a testimony of Scripture. So when Paul says here in verse 19, back into our text, for the wisdom of the world is foolishness, with God I mean so many people try to discredit Christians today they try to lap us out of stock they want to silence the voice of the conservative fundamental Bible believing Christian as if we're a bunch of fools and they would look at us as a bunch of fools but we look at them knowing that they're trying to take God's church destroy God's church and what does God do every time one of his men go down he raises up another one Amen. I mean I don't know about you but praise God for the power of a saving gospel. So again, when you look here, he says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Now, when I think about the power and wisdom of God, I know one thing, that that is very powerful. God's wisdom is simply amazing. And if you stick to your text and understand and believe your Bible and the Holy Spirit is working in you, you can defend against any professor in any college and you can stand true to the Word of God. You can debate them to the end of the world, but the truth of it is, it's not about the debate, it's about the truth of the Word of God. Because when I look at the Scripture, I know this is absolute... I know I don't have to read any other resource. This is God's Word. Now, there are many different commentaries that are written out there. There are many excellent books that need to be read because the men that have gone before us that have died, or women, and they've had awesome testimonies, and they have finished well. So I'm not saying don't read any other books or anything like that. I think they're important. Spurgeon said it's okay to read many books, but keep you in the book, the Word of God, More so than all the other books that we read. And so when the scripture says here, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And I think that's really important to understand that. Because the Lord knows why a man does what a man does. Okay. When I look at God as a sovereign creator of all things, I know that everything has a purpose. Everything that's going on in the world today has a purpose. We don't understand it. We don't have to understand it. We can rest and trust in Christ because he says he is God, He is the sovereign creator. He is the God of first cause. Nothing happens apart from God. God's not trying to figure things out, like some would say. Remember, we talked about the open theism. We talk about people that believe in a God that, as things happen, he has to figure out what he's going to do next. I don't believe in an open theism or an open theist. I believe God does whatever God pleases to do. And so I know I can trust him because everything God does is righteous. Remember that psalm there. Psalm 115.3 says whatsoever God does, he does for Himself. It's all about whatever He chooses to do. And so we trust Him and we rest in the Word of God. And so when He's talking about this wisdom and how people try to make us distraught, make us not believe in God, tell us things, well, the Bible's this and the Bible's that. You know, one of the big things you see today in my computer, sometimes these things come up all the time and they're they're telling me how Christianity has fallen away. How churches are, are walking away and not believing the faith anymore. They're saying the Bible isn't really what everybody thought it was. You have all these articles and they pop up all the time and some of them are such folly and foolishness, and they're trying to distract us. And I think to myself, you know God, all these things are working exactly the way you said they would. Amen? I mean, there's a great apostasy that's going on. We see that in First Timothy 4.1. But when we look at the scripture here, what does God say? In verse 20 of our text, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. I mean, when you think about a thought that comes into your mind, do you realize God knows your thoughts before you think them? The Bible makes it very clear that Satan can shoot a thought in your mind and see how you react to that thought. But the Bible also says to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so that's important for us to understand that. Satan wants to create strongholds in your life and destroy your life. But the Word of God is what it says. So God's Word is absolute and powerful, and it changes lives from the inside out. That's why we are thankful to be able to read the book that he has given us to read. And so when we're reading it, we're trying to grow in that grace and knowledge, to come to an understanding of who he is. So the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, and they are vain. And that's true, and that's exactly What it is. Many men boast in men. You know, you have to be very careful. Don't boast in men. Don't put your confidence in men. You put your confidence in Christ, Jesus the Lord. Amen. I mean, there's so many people, they say, well, so-and-so says this and -and so-and-so says that. We don't want to boast in men. We want to boast in Christ. We're going to say, you know, I was reading my Bible the other day and all of a sudden this is jumped off the pages at me. I've read that verse a thousand times and all of a sudden today took on a meaning I had never seen before. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's how he teaches us the word of God. So many times when you're reading the scripture and it comes alive to you at that moment, that is a work of grace. That is the Holy Spirit giving you understanding and clarity into the scripture. And so again, remember he says here in verse 20, And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. It's very important to understand that. There are a lot of good preachers today. I know with the internet and cable and TV and all these things, you can listen just about to anybody you want to listen to. And some of those are great men and praise God for them in their ministries. But some of the things that are being aired, some of the books that are being written are not Christian. Many of the things that they teach and preach are not true. They do not coincide with the word of God. And those are very dangerous people. Those are people trying to utterly destroy Christ Church. But praise God for the faithful few. And so even here when you talk about boasting in men, even Paul or Apollos, remember they had already talked about that, where they were worried. Remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12, now this I say that every one of you say, I'm a Paul, I'm I'm Apollos, I'm of Cyprus, I'm of Christ. Look at the division that's created by that. We don't want to be of them. We want to be of Christ. We want to be edified and built up in the most holy faith. You all have trying times that lay before you. You have many situations that have not arisen yet but are coming and there's not a doubt in my mind but you have to be ready. You have to feed your soul in the times of the light when everything in your life seems to be going well and not just go to God when everything gets dark and try to hurry up and have him fix everything. You want to build yourselves up day by day, moment by moment in the Word of God. And so when the Bible says here in verse 20, And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore let no man glory in men for all things are yours I mean as believers we share equally in God's most important and valuable provisions I mean what God has done for us the blessings that he has bestowed upon us the Word of God sealed in our heart by the Holy Spirit working that progressive sanctification that we talk about I mean I don't know about you but praise God for his word you know Richard Baxter he said screw the truth into your minds you know, take the Word of God, screw it into your minds, that when the times of testing come, and they will come for you and me and anybody else, those times when they come, you will know the Word of God, you'll have it written upon your heart, and you'll be ready for whatever the situation is. But you have to read your scripture. I mean, when I look at the psalmist, he said to meditate upon the Word of God day and night. You know, we talked about Bible reading. We said, well, when I read the Bible, you know, I try to get my three chapters or four chapters so I can say I read the Bible once through and twice in the New Testament. Listen to me. Go slow when you read the scripture. Take your time and meditate upon it. See how it speaks to you in whatever situation you may be in, whatever book you may be reading. Because the Puritans, they would say, well, this is the library of the Holy Spirit. And they're referring to the 66 books of the Bible. And that's true. And that's exactly what the Word of God makes very clear to us. This is God's Word given to us. So again, he says, therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. And he identifies again in verse twenty-two, when that, when, when, uh, when, whether Paul or Apollos or Cyprus or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, what does he say? All are yours. So when I look at the scripture here and I see this, I think to myself, isn't that amazing that the Holy Spirit would put this right here in the Bible, whether it be Paul or Apollos or Cyprus or the world or life or death or things present or things to come all our years. When we talk about eternal life, it is Christ is eternal life. I mean, the Bible says, remember what Paul said, lay hold on eternal life. The Bible tells us to fight to fight. It's not easy to be a Christian, but you got to be authentic. People got to look at your life and say, "I don't know what it is about their life, but they are so amazing. They really believe in that Christ." And other people look at Christians and say, "Well, they call themselves Christian. They go to church on Sunday, but I don't see any kind of fruit in their life." Well, the truth of it is, we need to honor him by the reading of his word. And so we have that life. We have that death. We're talking about spiritual or eternal death. I mean, the Bible makes it very clear to a Christian that our death is but a shadow. And that's what the Bible says. So when I think about a shadow of death, I think of that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 so when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall upon on immortality, then shall we be brought to pass that the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is only swallowed up in victory to them that are in Christ. That's where we are found. And he says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ see we see that word again we look at the word granted or the word giveth remember what john said in john chapter 3 verse 27 everything a man receives he receives from heaven or from god that is what the scripture says so even here but thanks be to god which giveth us the victory through our lord jesus christ and so when he says here whether it be life or death or things present or things to come all are yours and so when we look at our word all it would be pas, the PAS, all that we find there, he says, all are yours. And so when you have a conclusion in these verses, what do you come into in verse 23? And ye are Christ. You know when I thought about that and I thought, and ye are Christ, isn't it amazing to know that you are Christ? Isn't it amazing to have a testimony? Of the Holy Spirit that you are Christ. I don't need a man to say that I am Christ, but I do need the Holy Spirit to bear witness with me that I am Christ. And then what does God say here in our bu- in our version here? He says, "And ye are Christ and Christ is God's." I mean, I don't know about you, but that's a really powerful verse. Remember, it's kind of like the John 3.16, you know, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's absolutely true. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so when I look at that, I think, and ye yeah, are Christ, and Christ is God's. I think it's just amazing that God would give his only begotten son. Remember, the word only begotten is your, his one and only son. There's only one Christ. Okay. So when he says, whosoever shall call upon his name shall be saved, Christ, we believe, we love the whosoever the a scripture, no doubt about it. But when I look at the scripture, I think, isn't that amazing that Paul says here, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So when you look at all the world and all the tribulation that seems to be happening today, and all the crazy things that are going on, isn't it amazing to know that in Christ, Everything is good and holy, and you are separated unto him for the end of your life. I mean, all believers are blessings. It is all about God's glory. And to wrap it up truly in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, as a believer, with all spiritual blessings and heavenly place in Christ. When was that done? When you were truly born again. The Bible says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings. We are already seated in the heavenlies. Right now. We're already in Christ. Right now. And yet God tells us to live your life as if this is the last day of your life. You don't know if you have tomorrow. You don't know what a day will bring. But you do have today. Seize the day. Glorify your Saviour. Go tell somebody about Christ. And don't waste your life. Because all these things that we're doing that we waste our life with mean nothing. It's all going to be consumed at the judgment seat. Remember we talked about that that wood, hay, and stubble. When I look at my own life I realize there's a lot of wood, hay, and stubble that's going to be consumed in my life. But I pray there will be that gold, silver, and precious stones. After the refining fire that I'll have to give to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And remember we talked about the crowns when you come into Revelation 4 and 5. We bow ourselves before him and we throw our crowns at his feet. Why is that? Because apart from Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, I couldn't do any of this stuff. He is my life. He's my all in all. He's the purpose of your life, if you're Christ. And if you're Christ's, remember Christ is God's. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you Lord for your word and Father we know these verses are not always easy but we know there's many deceivers out there trying to tell us all kinds of things that are unbiblical Lord. Father I pray that we would read the word more than what we do Lord. That we would just continue to read it Lord. Be well versed and built up in that holy faith and Lord, we know there's some hard times coming in the future, Lord. But, Father, may we be ready. May we be faithful. May we give you our life now to use us for whatever purpose you would. And, Father, just like David said as we talked last week, to fall into your hands and trust you. Know that you are here. And we thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the the shepherd of the sheep and that even when we're broken and on our back he picks us up and sets us back on our feet because he loves us with an agape love an unconditional love if we are truly in Christ and Father we need you and we need you to work in our hearts and lives and so we rest in you we trust in you we believe in you Help us, Lord, to be faithful, faithful witnesses, disciples of yours. We love you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.